It's time for Dodger baseball. The sports department at WFUV and the history behind it are a story largely untold. That is, until now. The voices that have shaped the student-run station for the last seven decades dive into their time at Rose Hill. This is the Off the Air Podcast, the legacy of WFUV Sports. This is the Off the Air Podcast for WFUV Sports, where current members of our staff talk to alum of this historic program and get their advice, their memories, their stories, and just deep dive into the history of WFUV Sports. Hey there, friends. It's Dylan Balsamo here alongside my good friend, Chris Hennessy. Chris, always lovely to share the microphones with you. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dylan. This should be a great episode. Absolutely. A, a wonderful episode we have in store for you. It's a great conversation that we plan on having with our friend, Mr. Andrew Bogish, who shares a, a, a very interesting quality that not all these great alum of WFUV sports get to have. Obviously, he's one of the names that we hear, but he has the unique distinction of being someone that we get to see a lot, which is nice. Yeah, he calls the Fordham men's and women's basketball and football on ESPN+. Plus. You've probably heard him, for those Rams fans, uh, doing a lot of games this fall and winter, and you worked with him in a personal manner did, uh, yeah. during the women's NIT and, yeah, he's always so great, always talking to the crew, talking to DeLuca and you about play-by-play and sharing notes and, and what whatnot. And, yeah, great guy and happy to, to get to talk to him today. He does seem to be this, this channel through which, you know, the advice of the older generations of WFUV get to get to share their advice. He's the one who, you know, he's directly experienced everything just like everyone else. Uh, you know, he, he joined WFUV Sports right at the beginning of the Bob Aarons era. So, like, he got to experience that along with a handful of others. And it's his generation that has been able to hand down, you know, advice for us and, and anyone else who hears them about, you know, how to navigate the field of sports broadcasting. Yeah, he was in school at the same time as Tony Reale from ESPN and uh, Mike Yam from the NFL Network and Spiro Ditas from CBS. So I'm very excited to hear what he has to say about his continuing relationships with those guys, how he's you know, kind of use that experience really to, to bolster his own career. It'll certainly be a great conversation we're looking forward to having. This is our conversation with CBS Sports Radio's and ESPN Plus's Andrew Bogish. Hey there, folks. Welcome into Off the Air, a podcast for WFUV Sports, where we, current members of the WFUV Sports crew, talk to alum of this very historic program. It's Dylan Balsamo and it's Chris Hennessy here for this very special episode where we welcome in a good friend of ours, works for CBS Sports Radio. You can hear him on the DA show, Writer Than You. You hear him doing weekday sports news updates on WFAN, WCBS 880, does play-by-play for ESPN Plus, for Jet Media, covers Fordham men's, women's basketball and football, the same for Delaware as well. Not to mention that in 2002, he won both the Marty Glickman Award and the Lawrence J. McGinley Award for his contributions to this very radio station at this very university. It's our friend, Andrew Bogish. How's it going? Guys, I'm doing really well. Thanks so much for having me. I, I almost thought I wasn't going to make the cut. It's been a while, and I was hoping for an invite. It took a while to get one, so I'm very, very honored to be here. Oh, we, we want to make sure everyone waits like the the standard amount of time to like make sure like that there's enough you know 
uh, legacy around it. And we have to work out make us want it. I get it. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You got to be begging for it to be on this podcast. (laughs) Um, So we have so much to ask you about. We just thought we'd we'd start with, um, you know, you're around the Fordham community still a lot, but. I'm very curious how you specifically found Fordham. At like, at what age did you know you wanted to be a broadcaster? I know you went to Regis High School. Was Fordham on your radar for a while? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of always wanted to do this. I, I learned pretty quickly that I wasn't going to actually be able to play anything of significance. So, I mean, I always ended up kind of like in the backyard taking shots and randomly doing play-by-play as well while, while I was playing basketball. It just kind of happened naturally. Um, so I was, when it was high school time and it was time to look for colleges, I was all, I was only looking at broadcasting schools. It was Fordham, it was Syracuse, it was Boston college. It was SUNY Geneseo, Ithaca. So everything kind of in the Northeast that had some kind of broadcast journalism lead. Um, and I happened to come to a basketball camp at Fordham. And that was like the first time I was really on campus. And that was, I guess was sophomore year of high school. So that kind of put Fordham in my head on its own. Then I learned about FUV, and then I realized it's basically the perfect mix of everything because FUV is unique. There's nothing like it. There's Syracuse is Syracuse, but it's not FUV. It's not in New York City. It's not covering the Mets and the Yankees and the Rangers and the Giants and Super Bowls and whatever. And for me personally, I was close enough to home in Queens where I could get home whenever I needed to or wanted to, but was far enough away that like mom and dad were not going to just show up in my dorm room door knocking into for a quick little visit. So it was perfect world and uh, was happy to get in, was happy that they made it a little more affordable for me and my family. And then once I was on campus, I mean, it just, it could not have gone better. So as a freshman, every FUV freshman has that dream assignment. I know I wanted to cover Islander games. I know Dylan wanted to cover Met games and, and call hoops for Florida. What was your dream assignment when you got uh, when you got here as a freshman? It, it was to do games. I and mean, that's always been my first love. Um, you know, I, I went to school with Mike Yam, who's now an NFL network, was at the Pac-12 network for forever, ESPN before that. And Mike always liked sitting behind the desk with the camera on, reading highlights like that. The TV side of it never drew me in. I loved hosting one-on-one at that as freshman or even in high school going into college. And then when I got on a campus covering the Mets or the Rangers was a thing and it was new to the station back in 98, but it was not high on my list. I, I wanted to call games. I wanted to be at games. And luckily for me and kind of unlucky for you guys now where there's so many of you, yeah, there were barely enough of us to full to, to actually have a full staff. So you know, I was already spotting freshman year for football games just a couple of weeks in, you know, on campus into the program and was on the air during basketball games doing updates by like December, January. So, um, but games were always my focus to answer your original question. Talking with Andrew Bogus here on the Off the Air podcast via WFUV Sports. Uh, Andrew, you know, you mentioned Mike Yam earlier. You were here along with Tony Reale, Spiro Deez. There was a really uh, good core of you and one that is remembered in the legacy of WFUV Sports along with a handful of others. Uh, what was your relationship like with your fellow FUVers? And um, if you don't mind us asking, who was the uh, better athlete out of the group of you? That's a really good question. Let me start there. Reale actually um, is a really good athlete. He just last week went through this thread of tweets that I didn't know about, or maybe I did and I forgot two decades later, but 
he comes from a reality family tree of football players. Like he had some cousin or uncle that like is historically good at St. Peter's football. Um, but Tony could play. And Tony also liked to show us that he said it was a torn ACL. I don't know exactly what it was, but his kneecap kind of like shimmied in a weird way. Uh, and then that was always his excuse for if things didn't necessarily go well. But reality was crazy, could play football. I think he played rugby a little bit, certainly played some basketball. So he was the, the best athlete of the group. But yeah, that was um, that was some collection of guys. When I was a freshman, Connell McShane, who is now killing it at Fox News and Fox Business, was a senior. Tony Reale was a junior. Spiro was a sophomore. And then I was a freshman. And then Mike Yam was the year behind me. And like I said, like that was kind of the bulk of the station when my freshman year, Connell and Tony did almost every basketball game. And then my sophomore year, Tony and Spiro did almost every football and basketball game. And then I got to do women's games because someone had to do women's games. I got a lot of things by default, probably got on the air sooner than I should have been, but got to learn kind of under fire because somebody had to do it. I was good enough for Bob Aarons to trust me to put me on the air. And I got to do games you know, right away. And then my junior and senior year, it was me and Yam and Spiro for one of those years. Uh, Darwin Zook, who still works in the business, was there as well. And I mean, I think I made a, might have missed two games out of football and basketball over those two years because there was just always something to do and I wasn't going to miss anything. When you when you see Ryan Rucco calling the women's national championship game and you started calling women's basketball just like him, was that a was that a proud FUV moment on Sunday night, whenever that game was? Yeah, I just I, I wish we could somehow be uh, snootier about it, which is we kind of had fun about this when Fordham the men's basketball team won that A10 tournament game to start and got to play on Friday for the first time in forever. And everybody kind of came out of the woodwork. Um, Root goes to stud and does an amazing job. And I just wish you could like almost introduce him always as Ryan Rucco from Fordham or Fordham's Ryan Rucco, just so we get the free, the free publicity. But when anybody, and you know, there's guys that I didn't really know were FUV guys, like older generation guys, like obviously in New York, new Michael K, new Chris Carino, new Bob Papa, but you know, Charlie slows, who was, was not, and I don't know, it just, he never, his, his name never came up. And then even like John Giannone here in New York, I didn't know he was a Fordham guy until after I was out of Fordham. Like there's just, there's so many of us. And anytime anybody does anything good, uh, it just makes us all look good and certainly makes me feel proud. It is interesting that that level of, of Fordham pride that uh, you, you listen on the radio or you look at the TV and, and you kind of, you know that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen? Like that is almost <laughs> what it feels like. And and there's a well, great pride there. Yeah, and in a very cocky way and, and not to be in a dismissive way, but like, unfortunately, you know, the, the actual athletes are few and far between that's, yeah. you know, that's why Chase Edmonds is so amazing. And the handful of other football players that have had cups of coffee in, in, in the, in the NFL, and then Nick Martinez pitching in baseball and why I still will make a smush Parker reference whenever I can, because <laughs> we, we didn't necessarily put, we didn't, we're not producing pros regularly. What we produced regularly is broadcasters. I mean, for the longest time, like Fordham sports was represented professionally by Mike Breen and Mike Kay and all of these guys. So, um, you know, we can, I think, be a little cocky about that, that, that we were kind of the Rams out there for a while. Certainly so. And, you know, it, 
all these great broadcasters who you've mentioned, specifically from from eras, let's say, before this one, the one thing that they all have in common through their time at WFEV Sports is, is Bob Ahrens. And I, I know you uh, work with him, as everyone did, and, and know him. Um, I'm curious what his, um, his advice was to you during your time here, what your relationship was like with him and the such. I mean, so I'm old enough that when I started, Bob was still new. Um, was, you know, I, I'm trying to think now I got there in 98 and I think that was only like his second or third year. And he, he had kind of been around, but like, that was really when things were starting to take off where he was just laying the groundwork for all the things we do now. Like, you know, we had, we didn't always have press credentials or we didn't always have season passes. Sometimes we only got to go to certain games. The teams were okay letting us in because there was free space. And so Bob was fighting a lot of those fights when I was just starting out. And I mean, it's, it's a throwaway line because everybody can say it, but like, I, I, you guys wouldn't know me if I didn't know Bob Aaron's because everything that I know came from him either directly or from people that he brought to us. Like I, I, so again, sophomore year, I'm doing Fordham women's basketball games. I obviously showed up with no actual training. I didn't know what I was doing. Technically I had heard games. I had heard announcers, so I'm copying people and doing what I think should be done, but I didn't know about time and score and left and right and all, all that, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of radio. And the first tape I'm making, I've got Gary Cohen and Dave Sims listening to it and giving me actual yeah. critique and not being, you know, not, who is this 19 year old punk? Um, and, and, and of course the legend of Marty Glickman, who was, I've only understood more and more since I've been gone. And, as the years went on and, and learned even more about Marty and heard everyone's stories about Marty, like how ridiculous it was that he, that man, that legend regularly came to the Bronx and sat down with us and listened to us be punks on the radio and gave us, you know, tips and tricks to be less punkish when we were doing football and basketball games. But all of that is Bob. All of that is from Bob, Bob, you know, starting with, Mike Maffey and Charles Costello, who were there right before me, and then into Connell and Spiro and Tony and through Rucco and Mike Watts, that like Bob made all of us. Like we're none of us are in the same spot because there's guys here. Spiro's voice is a gift from God. Rucco's skills are a gift. Reality's personality is a gift. Like some of those, some of us would have survived and succeeded without Bob, but it would be different. Um, and all of us are better because of Bob, because he's Bob. I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable in every possible way. You've mentioned it a couple times, but you've covered many iterations of the Florida men's hoops team, including this one this year. What about the team and this culture with Kyle Neptune is different, if it is different at all, uh, than what we've seen in the past? Yeah, this this one feels different, and it's it's Kyle and it's Ed Cull, who I've known for forever. We played Little League Baseball together, and I can't <laughs> believe that he's now running Fordham Athletics um, and, like, asks me my opinion on Fordham Athletics um, and cares what I think about it. But it's just something is different about this. Um, I, I think Kyle's a star. I, I His name was in my head when the job came open, and honestly, I, I thought he would have had – a bigger opportunity. And I mean, you know, maybe a a different power conference team. I just, I did, I thought maybe we would be below his career trajectory and all of a sudden he's the head coach. And I don't think the last year could have gone 
better. I mean, he completely remade the roster. The team got along. I think that was a huge part of why they were successful, the chemistry of it. And, you know, it's not apples to apples, but Coach Gately has proven that you can win basketball at Fordham. And it's by building a program. It's by building a structure that exists that's bigger than the individual parts. And I think that is what Kyle is doing because that's what he learned under Jay Wright and Joe Mahalik. Like, that's how you get the job done. And, you know, it's amazing to me, it's a compliment to everybody that after year one, he's nominated for all of these national kind of first year rookie head coach awards. And there were people who were saying he should get another job already. Like, and, and that's obviously scary because, because the way this year went, we you don't want him to leave for the next couple of years. His exit is probably inevitable if things go the way you want them to go in the Rose Hill gym. But the fact that people were already connecting him to jobs that were open or could have been open, like that just tells you how good it went. So, you know, every year is different and every roster is different and you don't know what decisions kids are going to make. But um, it's it's hard not to be excited as a Fordham fan by what you saw on the court this year. Because, guys, they were, what, 16 and 16? Yeah, 500. And Antonio Day leaves and Quisenberry gets hurt and Chuba missed a couple of games. And there were a couple of games that were winnable that they didn't win. I mean, it's it's kind of outlandish, but they weren't far off from winning 20 games, I know. which yeah, seemed impossible like 13 months ago for Fordham basketball. It is certainly an exciting thing to get to watch, and I know Chris and I are both very upset that we're seniors and will not get to experience more of being a <laughs> well, student during We this. had a few rough years there. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's a life lesson that I've learned about Fordham, about my high school. No matter what you do, everything gets better after you leave. Okay. Like we had true. nice studios at the top of Keating when I was there. As I was leaving, the shift began to the basement where you guys are now. So uh-huh. FUV. And FUV wasn't, like, got better when I was. People were jealous about what we had when I was there. And now you guys have this state-of-the-art facility that you're sitting in right now. My high school got better and fancier. Jobs get better and fancier after you leave. It's just the way the world works. You're there, you move on, and then the upgrades start. You're like, oh, that would have been nice for that to happen when I was still <laughs> have you walked? There have you walked through that new student center that they just uh, are finishing up? Yeah. That's so, a little jealous. So once, and I went in there, and like it's like a maze, and I'm like, I don't even know anymore like where we are geographically. I know, I got lost either. today. Yeah. I got so lost. But, but <laughs> then too. all of a sudden, I was at the mailboxes, and I'm like, oh, I remember these. I know where yeah. I am, but I don't know how I actually got here from being outside the building like 30 seconds ago. It, it's it's really strange. Very, I was trying to get to the mailboxes today. You did better than I did. I was very, very lost. <laughs> and by accident, too, you did better than him. It's still yeah. about Samo and Chris Hennessy in the Keating basement talking to Andrew Bogus here on the Off the Air podcast. You know, Andrew, you mentioned just just how much Fordham sports you've covered with football and, and basketball, whether it be on WFUV or with ESPN Plus with a variety of partners. Wink, wink. Um, but I'm I'm curious. <laughs> the last one was the best one. Oh, well, that's nice you to say. But I, I'm I am curious when you think about all these games you've covered. I'm sure most of them start to blend together, or maybe seasons blend together, or players blend together. But there's got to be a few at least moments or particular games that stick out. And I'm curious after after all this time, not too much time, but all this time, what does stick out for you? Well, so and I'm usually bad at this. I'm a bad. I'd, I have a bad memory. This, uh-huh. Something could have happened yesterday, and you would have asked me this question. I'm like, oh, I don't really have a memory. Like, there could have been <laughs> this ridiculous buzzer beating three from half court yesterday, and it would have like left my mind. Um, but there are a couple of things. One of them is an FUV memory. My, uh, I guess this was my sophomore year. I'm trying to remember now the the math of it. Um, but Fordham played St. John's at Madison Square Garden. Spiro Didis and I were on the call. 
mm-hmm. and that St. John's team had Ron Artest on it. The Fordham team had Bavon Robin and Jason Harris and Duke from McCammy and Steve Canal as the beginning of the Bob Hill era. And they beat St. John's at the wow. garden and the garden was pretty fullish because it was a St. John's game. It was a Saturday and Fordham showed out pretty well. And I remember we were the, one of the radio setups in the old garden. Well, the, I guess the old ish garden um, before this current renovation, there were radio perches above like the tunnels out onto the floor. Uh, and a lot of times I was like where the visiting radio would sit like for a Knicks game. And that's where we kind of were. So we're almost sitting like in the stands. There's people all around us, everyone's standing up and Bavon Robert hit a shot right before the buzzer. St. John's went the other way and missed and the game ended like that. So the last handful of seconds were a, were a frenzy. And I still remember having to stand on my chair to be able to see over everybody to see the court while Spiro is calling Bev's basket and St. John's missing and the game ending and Fordham winning and Fordham fans trying to rush the court. And I think it worked out, but I like forgot to talk because I was just so overwhelmed by the moment, but it ended up no one should have talked because all you heard was the garden going crazy. Yeah. So it was good that we were not talking. Um, but but um, I was almost, it was not a, a conscious choice by me. I just kind of spaced out being overwhelmed by um, the situation. The other stuff, uh, I still can remember Mandel Thomas, dunk, again, against St. John's, but this one at Rose Hill early in the Jeff Newbauer era, um, where Mandel Thomas just threw this one hand wicked, like a pullback tomahawk dunk. Uh, I've got a lot of good Smush Parker memories. He had two of the best dunks I've ever seen in person, one at St. Bonaventure where he like went down the lane, took off, turned, double clutch, reverse dunked on Mike Ganzi, who then be- went to West Virginia and played, you guys might not be old enough for this, but played on West Virginia, Kevin Pitsnoggle, Sweet 16 team. And now he's the GM at the Cavaliers. And all I know about him <laughs> is that he got dunked down by Smush Parker when he was St. Bon- uh, St. Bonaventure player. My and and um, I, one non-broadcasting one, and I, I'm going to mention her more than once because I absolutely love her and I'm so thankful that she's still here. It's an amazing job. But um, taking my kids to Syracuse a couple of winters ago or Springs, I guess, technically, to watch Fordham women play in the tournament, um, that, that meant a lot to me just as an alum because that program was so good. I wasn't around it in the first time she took the team there. So this one, I knew that team. I knew the players. I knew her. And that was a great experience too. And hopefully there's a ton more memories still to come because uh, I'm going to still be coming back to work as long as they've, as long as they let me, let me come back. Yeah. That was a special day being able to play in the carrier dome. Uh, the women's, that was the 2019 tournament. This would have been 2019. Yeah. yeah. yeah freshman year. Yeah. The yep. 2019 tournament. Uh, so you called tennis on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about tennis <laughs> on the radio because I am, I am perplexed. Yeah, no, that's a fair question. We were perplexed as well. Now, this is another FUV Spiro Didis connection. So this is, as I'm graduating, um, it's two th- the summer of 2002. Spiro had worked there the year before. I got hired to do board hopping and, like, pop on and give, like, scoreboard updates while Spiro was, like, calling the match. But I guess there had been I- – I think there was there – was, a lack of clarity on what we're actually supposed to be doing when like the feature match of the day, when we had like an analyst wasn't on. And I remember sitting in the studio in like in our booth atop Arthur Ashe stadium. And we just had, no one was doing play by play. No one was talking. We just had 
like the feed of the crowd of the court mics up. So you would just hear like, and like the serve and then a, a series of hits and then out, you know, Sampras 15. And wow. all of a sudden the door comes swinging open and our boss is like, does somebody want to talk? So Spiro <laughs> went on the mic and went back to doing play by play. And I mean, that was once we figured out, I mean, you guys know this, once you understand like the basics and I knew tennis a little bit before that. So I was not completely new to the sport, but figuring out how to do it on radio was tough because it's probably the fastest thing out there and it's short bursts. And like, there's a lot of description, backhand slice cross court down the line. There's a lot to get in as they're whacking it back and forth. So it took a while to figure it out, but I did that for five or six years and it grew that they did an English version of the French open. So I got to do two years of the French open of being like the main English play-by-play broadcaster. I mean, I was there the first two times Rafael Nadal won the French Open, and now he's ridiculously still playing and still winning it and setting all of these records. Um, So that was, it's definitely a job that few people have done. Yeah. And they kind of, and they still do it to this day. It still exists at usopen.org. It might be a little more TV streaming-ish, but I mean, we were doing true, like, you know, bottom of your screen serving to the, and you know, you had to know tennis, um, deuce court, ad court and all that kind of stuff. But I saw some remarkable things when I was there up close, Andy Roddick's first and sadly only major Federer early in his career, Agassi's last match ever at the U S open. I've got great Richard Williams stories from, cause I ended <laughs> up doing like video shoots for the website as well. And we would be set up outside like the players lounge out in this little kind of garden playground area. And he would come over and talk to us about our equipment because as you you know, as you saw, if anyone saw the movie, like he was always filming them, always taping yeah. them, always making videos. And he would come over and ask our camera guy about what camera is that? What do you put in it? What are you using to edit? So, I mean, that was five or six of the best little, little assignments I've ever had. And it got me a bunch of other work. So I'm super thankful. It was like the first real thing I did and it got me two French Opens, a bunch of Davis Cup and Fed Cup and other tournament stuff. It was it was it was super fun. Chris, you see King Richard? I have not. I saw Will Smith slap Chris Rock. I didn't well, see King Richard. Of course, <laughs> well, obviously, you're a human being uh, living in the year 2022, so you saw that. But I do recommend seeing the movie. It's very good. Um, Andrew, I, I I'm curious. You know, something um, the current sports director here at FUV, Bobby Chaffardini, says from time to time is that FUV really can really spoil you while you're here because you get all these great opportunities and you know obviously Chris and I have also gotten to do some beat reporting along with calling games and and all these different types of things you are currently uh talking about stuff you've done after you got out of Fordham I'm curious you know that moment and and you in particular after winning the Glickman and the McGinley so you're riding pretty high and then all of a sudden you got to go out and and be in the real world I'm sure that was a little intimidating how did you navigate that and um you know obviously you figured it out so take us through that journey well, it was, it was, I was lucky to be able to stay in New York. First of all, yeah. um, you know, I, I, there were, there were not a lot of us, but in that, my kind of time, either the guys that were older than me and the guys that then came behind me that I knew from again, coming you know up in the years younger than me, you know, guys moved away and things didn't work out and they gave up guys had starts and stops and starts and stops. Um, I, I was lucky enough to 
be able to piece together enough work, including that U.S. Open, because they strangely paid very well. That was a very, very, very nice check to get right out of college. I'm like, well, this will be nice if this is, things always pay like this, and they unfortunately <laughs> didn't. Um, and it was only three weeks out of the year. Um, but I was lucky enough to find enough stuff that together was a full-time job. And, you know, it was the usual stuff. It was crappy hours. It was weekends. It was, I, I worked Thanksgivings and Christmases or, you know, Christmas Eve, whatever. And I, I did just enough to pester FUV guys. Like one of those early jobs was Chris Carino hired me because the Nets at that point, and this is the Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, um, Lawrence Frank Nets, where they were still on WOR in New York. And Chris was in charge of the whole thing. And Chris was like, I need help back in the studio, feeding me, you know, stats and scoreboards and getting highlights ready for pre and halftime and post game. Do you want to do that? Of course. And um, that ended up then halfway through that first year, I think he was like, why don't you do halftime because I need a break. So then I would go on, I had a segment at halftime and I would give, go through the highlights and read a scoreboard and then throw it back to them. And then I would run back in the room and start cutting second half highlights and feed them to him for post-game stuff. Um, but then that went away because they got good and FAN bought their rights and then FAN used their own people for that. So that job yeah. went away. And, but then Mike Yam connected me to Sirius and I got into Sirius at least part-time. So that made up for losing the net. Um, and it's just, I always was able to thankfully find, like I said, just keep I never got myself in dire straits. I was always working and working enough and thank, you know, my parents were able to help. And I stayed at home for a while. So I didn't have that. I wasn't worried about rent or anything like that, thankfully. And that's a benefit that not everybody has. So I know that I was lucky on that front too. Um, but it was also, you know, the, the flip side of that, it, I, if I'm being honest, like it was tough coming out next to Spiro and next to reality because Spiro basically graduated early, declared for the draft and was gone the back half of his senior season because he was doing the, the XFL hitmen, the original version he was doing there. So he was already gone. He, that he, he very quickly did a LeBron high school game that I guess was in New Jersey and ended up being on the yes network and reality very quickly got popular on PTI as stat boy. So like, and I, and, you know, so I not just went to school with them, but they were my friends and Connell was working right away too. And all of them were doing, you know, bigger, better things. And I was very jealous of Spear because I wanted to do games and it, it was hard to find play by play work. So that's tough. And it's, you know, you never, you never know as you guys are leaving now, somebody might go faster or get that first break. And you're like, you know, damn, like that sucks. Like I wanted that job and it doesn't work out, but then next time it'll be your turn to go. So that, but that's tough to navigate when, you're 22, 23, and you're antsy to get in and find that first job. And it doesn't always go as simply as you would want it. So um, I'm glad I know those guys, but they added a little extra pressure to, uh, and still do, to be honest, to, uh, to me. So I have, I have a weird one, and maybe this didn't cross your radar, but you were mentioned on, on the Boomer and Geo program a few weeks back in conjunction with one of our friends here, Jack Roach, who yeah. broke some Knicks news. It was right. a recommendation that maybe you could be his mentor. So my first question is: There are there any conversations with Roach about about joining the Andrew Brogish mentee program? And in all seriousness, what has your relationship been with the Dillons and the Nick DeLucas 
of the world, the FUV guys, post your time here? Well, I, I think I had, I'd have to go back in my email. Either I owe Jack an email or he owes me an email. Oh, boy. We were supposed to, we were supposed to meet at before a basketball game and go over things, and then that didn't work out. And then he, I went away, and he went to the Super Bowl. He did go to the Super Bowl. And then it was like, let's talk when you come back. And then one of us was like, let's talk after the Super Bowl. And I don't remember who that was. It probably was me because I suck at uh, doing these things. <laughs> Dylan doesn't know this just yet. I think DeLuca, Emmanuel Barbari can, 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 can kind of confirm this. I'm very forgetful. I need to be good enough soon to have like somebody help me with scheduling and reminding me to do things or just learn to do them right away. Not say, Oh, I'll do that after dinner because then after dinner, something else distracts me. Um, like I just emailed Emmanuel, sent me some stuff from Siena and I talked about something else. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure he asked me to watch a video. And I went back and it was like 10 days late. I'm like, here I am again, two <laughs> weeks late, my bad. Um, but almost every job that I had or have or whatever came from some kind of connection. Nine of them, nine out of 10 are from Fordham. Um, so I know how important it is to listen to tapes and to give advice. I wish I had better advice sometimes, but I, um, you know, I'm, I'm here for anybody and everybody because everybody helped me when I still does. Um, so there's no reason. And there's, it's just, it's the way that it's the way of the FUV world. We're all here for each other, trying to make everybody better and grow and find the job that they all deserve. So I probably owe Roach an email and that's on me, but at some point we'll talk and I'll probably say something hopefully useful to him. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if Jack needs to hear anything useful, he can go to any moment in this uh, episode of Off of the Air because <laughs> this has been just wonderful to get the chance uh, to talk to you and talk to you about your uh, your Fordham journey and your WFUV journey. It's, it's really an honor that, that you've uh, sat down with Chris and I. Well, uh, the honor is to be cheesy is mine because, again, I, I love the place that you're sitting in. I love the school. And anytime I get to come back and be on FUV, uh, especially now with all your fancy podcasts and internet stuff, and we had, yeah, we right. had a radio signal. And it wasn't even always ours at times too. We had to, when I, when I first started, we didn't do a full women's schedule and we didn't do any home games because the argument was you should come to the gym instead of listening on the radio if you want to see or care about this team. And the men, if they played on Sunday, that game wasn't on because of Irish music. Yeah. So at least now, you know, so now you've got different avenues and different hurdles, but it's a much fancier operation than when I was there. So on any, any vehicle of FUV, I'm happy to be on always. Oh, always a, uh, a pleasure to get the chance to talk to you and, and specifically in terms of advice. Um, is there anything else that, you know, we have not discussed yet in terms of advice for, for us or for anyone who might hear this, who's thinking about broadcasting or really just entering the, the real world? Is there anything that even in this changing world of media and sports media in particular, you have to share with them? Well, I mean, going back to my last point, do everything and know everything like you guys now are doing actual baseball, softball, soccer broadcasts. You know, we, when I was there, if there was a free recorder, you could go sit at the baseball field and do, literally onto a cassette tape some baseball. But there was no outlet for it because in 1998, the internet did exist, but in nowhere near, obviously, the way it's going right now. So there was no streaming. There was no put it on here. There was no alternate signal, whatever. So there were limited opportunities to really be live on the air. But like, when way back to that tennis question, I got work because I knew tennis and I knew how to, I, I thought, like put tennis 
on the radio. So maybe, you know, soccer, maybe, you know, hockey, maybe, you know, lacrosse. So there's going to be something that makes you stand out. So, and you, maybe you don't know yet what you love to do. So try everything. And I always think it's important to like, know the whole operation, know what the engineer is doing. If you're doing a streaming, you would know what the camera guy is doing, just because I never want to be the person that asked you to do something that's unfair. Cause I didn't know what your job was. I didn't know what it took to do this. So like, I wanted to know like what went into building graphics and putting up a replay from a basketball game. So I understood what your job was, what my expectations could be, what your expectations for me could be. And that's about asking questions about not being shy. It's about maybe being early or staying late and looking at how things work and just BSing with somebody about the camera or the, or the mix or whatever it may be, because you also, when you get that first job, you might be doing all of those things too. So you yeah. better know how all of them work. And, you know, in general, and this was tough for me, like, don't ever think you're being annoying or at least find the nice little area where you're being productively annoying, where you're asking questions, where you're keeping, you know, you're keeping in, in contact with people that you met in the industry, whether they're on the year or off the year, that might be able to help you like knowing, oh, it's been six months. Let me check in with this person. Like, you know, Ian Eagle has been super nice to me my entire, you know, adult broadcasting life. And like, I'll see a thing that like, make up. Oh, I haven't talked to Ian in a while. Let me shoot him an email just so he remembers that I exist. And maybe something pops into his head. He goes, you know what? I just heard that this, somebody was looking for basketball play-by-play, send them a tape or send them an email, whatever, and tell them I sent you. Like, that's the stuff that going to get you work because no matter what job you guys are going for, a thousand people want it and you need something to kind of cut through all that noise. So whether it's like, Hey, I've already done lacrosse on the radio or I an Eagle sent me, you've got to have all that stuff in your back pocket. And it takes putting yourself out there um, and kind of covering all your bases to making sure you have all the ammo you need to, to kind of break in and find that, find that job. Sounds like some absolutely outstanding advice. <laughs> uh, you can hear Andrew Bogish on CBS Sports Radio in a variety of places, the DA show, Writer Than You, and weekdays doing sports news updates on WFAN, WCBS 880. You can also hear him on ESPN Plus during football and basketball season calling Fordham events. You're a main part of the Disney bundle, I like to say. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's the reason yeah. I have the Disney bundle. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah, our friend. And, and FX shows on Hulu. That's where you get the Disney exactly. bundle. Exactly. How else, do I, how else do I watch yeah. Atlanta? <laughs> this is our friend Andrew Vogus here on the Off the Air podcast. Well, Chris, it was such an honor to get to talk to Andrew. And it just, you know, thinking as he's just left this, this Zoom room you and I were both in, it was just mulling on the advice that he gave us and anybody else who is listening about how to you know navigate the field of sports broadcasting and how to look back on our experiences here at WFUV Sports, you and I both being seniors in particular. Um, it's stuff that I think is really going to stick with me. Definitely, and it's a guy who you kind of take that advice from because he does have his toe in a lot of different pools. He's doing the play-by-play, he's doing the updates, he's doing the morning radio, so he's all over the place, and he you know he's, he's a great guy and, and happy to be able to talk to him. I was really fascinated by what he was saying about you know calling tennis uh, on on the radio, which of course you brought up. Cause I, I what an odd thing to have to do. I don't understand how it's even possible uh, to some degree. Uh, golf on the radio is is difficult for the opposite reason. Yeah, it's just too slow. Tennis just feels like there's too many things happening. If if, if you called every single hit, that would be complete over description. <laughs> Correct. And and I'm I'm sure for him, part of the experience was figuring out the balance there. But he used that to. 
uh, to ramp into a more important thing, which is, you know, as, as you and I emerge from WFUV sports, as do our fellow seniors, and as anyone does, and, and they try and, you know, navigate how to get through this field if they choose to stick in, in it, is, you know, finding a way to do everything and not saying no to things and, and going all over the map of trying to figure out what it is that you can do because eventually you will find that, that lane for yourself. Definitely, 100%. And it might be calling tennis on the radio and figuring out how to do that. And it's it's very impressive that he was. And it is part of the part of what you sign up for when you, when you sign up for this business, definitely, is you're going to have to work some weird stuff. And uh, definitely one of the better stories I've heard so far about uh, what somebody does right out of college uh, calling tennis on the radio, but it turned into two trips to France. So that's pretty good. That is rather outstanding, and two uh, very fun trips to France, yeah, as, as right. he made it sound. Such a lovely opportunity to get the chance to talk to Andrew Bogus here on the Off the Air podcast. If you're interested in what we were talking about about our friend Jack Roche, we will put the link to the original tweet in which Jack was mentioned. We'll throw that in the notes of this podcast, in just in case you're interested. But this has been a production of Off the Air, the WFTV Sports Podcast. Our producer has been the great Alex Wolves. For my partner, Chris Hennessy, this is Dylan Balsamo saying goodnight. Talk to you later.